Francisco. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another outstanding episode of ARG Presents. I'm Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who, much like Pinball 2000, had a peak around 1999 and then faded into obscurity. The Brent. I peaked far before that. Also, outstanding. You've got all these pinball terms, and that's what you go with? The last time we had a pinball show, I said, Pintastic, and you mocked me. So this well, time, I went totally generic. And I'm still mocking you. That's right. So, if you joined us last week, we spun the wheel. We made the deal. And oh, this yes. week, we took a look at pinball machines from the late 90s. Yes. Now, uh, the, would you say this was the peak of pinball? Absolutely not. Oh. I will say that it was not the peak of pinball, and I'll tell you why. Uh, when doing research for this show, as I nosed around to try to determine which table I wanted to do, it occurred to me that all the great tables came out in the early 90s, and that's a fact, and you can look it up. It's everything, right in that Everything mid, from yeah. 95 back, that was quality stuff. Everything from '95 forward, you're getting into some iffy territory, which comes into play with the, our, you know, the uh, history look that we're going to take here in a minute. Sure. So, since you obviously you seem more high on the pinball of the late '90s than I am, well, what, well, what do you recall about the, that era? No, I'll, I'll say it really was more the mid '90s. It was the '90. 93, 94, 95. That pinball was just correct on incredible fire. Yes. Uh, so, <clears throat> although my machine came out in 95. Yours came out far, far later than that, right? Yeah, because it's the late 90s. Yeah, that 90. was the, it wasn't the mid-90s. You, you, it was the was late 90s. It was 99. Yes, 99. that's right. Um, I recall that Pinball was riding a pretty good high yeah. into the late 90s because they had had such a major boom, uh, boom period yes, of Pinball crazy. machines. It's funny, though, when I look through the list of, of what I could play, and I kid you not, uh, there, I didn't see much that I was into. I almost picked Twister, <clears throat> believe it or not, Sega's pinball machine dedicated to the, the film, yeah. the license. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great uh, pin. I don't know if people liked Twister the film. I thought it was okay. It was okay. I saw it at the theater. I thought it was, I mean, it was wacky. Lots of crazy effects. Bill Paxton, you know. But uh, the pinball machine was great. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I ever mentioned this before, but I used to play it in this hot arcade. We had an arcade near my house, <clears throat> and it, you could go in there and drink and smoke and do whatever you wanted. It, it was an old-time arcade. You'd be in there, and it was hot in there because you had a boys' machines, unlike in here, which is freezing cold today yeah. in here. Uh, but uh, uh, you'd have this machine, and you'd be dying. You'd be melting. on the. You'd be dying on the vine. And Twister, if you activated this certain mode, a giant fan... That was mounted on top of the back glass on the backboard. It would would turn on. It would, it was so nice. Yeah, it yep. was so cool. <laughs> I just I thought, man, this is a brilliant plan to put this fan on there. But I mean, I wouldn't call Twister. Twister is one of I really actually like Twister. It's one of my more favorite pinball machines. But it's not like an all time class. I mean, people aren't clamoring for Twister, you know. Uh, and so what was what was around in the late nineties to choose from amongst those? You got your Twister. You've got like South Park, which I was never a, never a fan of. It's still a good pinball machine, though. I don't think it's that good. Oh, I don't like if it. If you take the theming out, it is. An if you take the theming out, awesome you've got pinball. nothing. You no. got a chunk of wood. Uh, I, I didn't like it. Uh, you had a lot of licensing. I mean, it's just yeah, stuff Star that, Trek, right? 
No, Star Trek was in the early nineties. Ninety four. That's your two. That's, it was out of it was out of the loop here. So you had most of your pinball machines that came out after ninety five. Which just, I mean, you could see why the market had dipped. There was a ninety. There was a, a different Star Trek pinball, not Next Generation. That was after the nineties. Yeah, Trust me, I looked all this stuff up. I looked at a huge list. The uh, the the truth of it all is, pinball peaked right around the mid nineties, and then there, it went through a uh, decline. And uh, so what was to be done? And this will dovetail nicely into uh, uh, our look this week into the past. So um, Williams had been a, 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 a powerhouse, a juggernaut of yes. pinball for many, many years. Uh, and had actually, they had gobbled up some of their competition along the way. Uh, they had, uh, amongst them, Bally was one. They had So they had basically like taken over a lot of stuff. And so you had this big pinball maker in a time where pinball was was doing real well for a while. Yeah. Uh, Williams uh, came around in, in 74, uh, which I thought was later than I would have I was guessed. I thought it was interesting. And we, as says Williams, they eventually changed their name to WMS Industries and had been one of the real staples of pinball. Yeah. You really, you had Gottlieb, you had Williams and Bally, and then later on, some newcomers came into the mix. You had your uh, uh, Sega, for example. Even Atari made some pinball machines there for a while. Uh, Data East. and But Williams was always there. And of course, the Williams also had a strong tradition of arcade machines. Well, Williams in uh, the mid-'90s had invested in uh, and began manufacturing slot machines. All right? Yep. And uh, an odd thing happened. Uh, slot machines started to take off. <laughs> And pinball declined. Yep. And so, and keep in mind, this is these Williams was like the Cadillac. Of, we've got some Williams back here. They were the Cadillac of pinball machines. They were real popular. So what's to be done? Well, the guys at Williams got together and they had a meeting. And uh, if you're familiar with pinball at all, you'll know two games. Uh, one is Granny and the Gators, and the other one is uh, Baby Pac-Man. These are two games that try to integrate uh, a video screen into the pinball machine. Yeah, when, and this was when video games were really taking <coughs> right. off. And so what you had here was uh, a half of a pinball machine and then half of a video game. Yes. Right? And the result was less than fabulous. I mean, people, I don't know anyone that says, like, maybe Pac-Man's my favorite machine. Now, we sort of have a soft spot for it, but it's not... The pinball part of it's not that good, and the video game part's not that good. Now, but it's it's it, an oddity. There's some integration, but it's not great. Now we actually have uh, behind us here, Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man, the pinball machine, which is a way better machine uh, than Baby Pack, and it's an old, much older machine too. So uh, when they got together at Williams to see how they were gonna what they were gonna do to try to get their pinball machines up and running, they had come up with a concept of a, of a machine that's almost set on like two skis. That's what it looks like. It's a real futuristic design. With a pinball cabinet and a big screen in the background. <clears throat> now, this was not the first time this has been uh, no. thought up, but and and in fact, pinball has sort of went in that. They've taken that direction. Uh, if you look at your Wizard of Oz, and, and some of the newer machines from Jersey Jack, uh, they have integrated a full video screen in the background of pinball. So effectively, what Williams was was proposing at the time was what was actually the direction that pinball went, for better or for worse. Right, and the rails, the, the rail system was to make it, one, easier to operate, 
uh, for operators to go in and pull out the, the, the rails and change out what they need. But I believe they were also trying to make those interchangeable, right? They had a bunch of crazy notions. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> the thing about it is pinball purists, and there are plenty. And and, yeah. and, and uh, one thing you'll learn is that pinball machine people are often totally separate from video game people. Yeah. I mean, they're, I'm not saying everyone is. There's plenty of people that like them both, like us. But their pinball has its own crowd, and what they don't want is video games in their pinball. They don't, yeah. <clears throat> they well, don't like it. They're, so they're, they, they're often an older crowd because yeah. pinball was around way before video right. games. And you can see our previous pinballs over the history, sort of the history of pinball. Yeah. But uh, so this, the, when they had this meeting, they said, "Listen, uh, for you, for those of you that aren't on board with this, I mean, raise your hand. A few guys raise your hand. George Gomez, a couple other guys." And said, listen, I don't like this direction. They're like, listen, if you don't come up with something else, then don't complain because this is where we're going. We've got to do right. something or we're going to be sunk. Because Williams Corporate was thinking about, you know, chopping the pinball division. Because what it, what it ended up happening was the, the, uh, the slot machine business had gone so well that the pinball machine side was actually, and they were losing money, they were actually bringing down the value of the company. Yeah. If without them, they were going to, the value would have went up. Yeah. Plus, so, they were taking up uh, warehouse space and development space, and all that factored in. Right. So, Gomez and a couple guys went back, and they sat around trying to come up with something. And sure enough, a bunch of them were at, were at an arcade playing a deluxe Galaga machine. You probably haven't even heard this. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And so... They, if you've ever played Deluxe Galaga, it, it runs on, and there are a few machines that do this. It has a gimmick where basically the screen's in the top of it, there's a mirror, and it basically projects video game graphics on a cardboard background, yes. and it gives it depth. Yeah. In the case of Asteroids, it's a like an asteroid field, and it put, a, it, but it's just a picture of one, and they put your, you know, it was a cool effect. <clears throat> yes. It's been done in video games all the way back to the mechanical days. Yes. You know? It's an optical illusion. That's right. And so they were like, wait a minute, we think we might be able to do something in this. So they went back to the, to the, to a, uh, they couldn't, they tried to explain this to people, and the people couldn't understand what they were saying. So they're like, we're going to build a prototype. And they went back and cobbled a prototype together, and get this, here's the great connection. Uh, one of the things they used for, to the, for the video components of this cobbled together hollow pin was an Amiga. They actually had an old Amiga, then they pulled it out and they hooked the Amiga up to get the graphics for this original attempt. And they built a small game, right? And they uh, uh, took it to Williams. And what it what this thing did was picture if you haven't seen one of these, and I'll have a picture of it. But it Picture a, a pinball machine with basically a, a, a the back end section with a hood over it, like a uh, uh, like a, uh, that get almost like a little tunnel that comes over the top section. Uh, in the top of this tunnel, or in in the tunnel is a is a monitor and a mirror, and it reflects video down on the uh, reflective surface of the pinball glass. And what you get is the optical illusion that there are that there are. Uh, uh, video elements on the pinball field or near it. For example, uh, you can animate, uh, say you go through a virtual spinner, or uh, the actual field will have a spinner that you go through, but the projection will have a, a virtual spinner that spins and uh, score values will look like they're leaping off of the spinner. Uh, which is a real neat effect that all the Pinball 2000s had. What, you know, what they did was quite clever because 
what you could do is introduce video elements that could interact with the ball. Yeah. So you would have uh, uh, bad guys on the play field, and you could shoot the ball and hit them. And what? And since they knew the position these aliens would be when they designed the pinball machine, they could they could have rollovers or whatnot, in the, or flippers, or, or anywhere something, or not flippers, but like uh, anything that you could hit. That would that the machine would know was a hit. It would blow the alien up in video. It was really <clears throat> quite remarkable. You would even have the high score screen or information pop up in big, huge screens or extra ball or whatever. Yeah, it was a. I mean, it, when it was implemented when it worked, correctly, it was great. Well, it looked great. awesome. Maybe great was a little far, but it, it was a very it was a very unique and very drawing visual effect. It made you want to look to see what was happening. Yeah. Now. Uh, mm-hmm. um, when the guys when the, when they took this uh, first prototype in, people were blown away with this. And they're like, "Bam, you've done it! This is way way better than what we had," and they were on. And so, at that point, they had to decide. <clears throat> they had they wanted to get a pinball machine done in eighteen months. And what that meant is, a normal pinball machine is developed at eighteen months. Now, keep in mind, you've got Williams. These are the these guys are the Cadillacs. These guys are the studs of pinball, and all the best guys are working there. A lot of the best guys, and. So they had 18 months to, to not only build a, a, a new machine out of this technology, but to actually make the technology. How was it going to work? Right. And so they knew that um, they knew Pinball 2000 was going to be uh, expensive as uh, because there's so much extra stuff in it. For example, just the computer element of it. And this thing ran on an old, uh, I remember this distinctly, it ran on an old Cirix motherboard. These motherboards actually sought after today to yeah. replace uh, and now they have come up with new stuff, but it was a good time when these motherboards were very difficult to get hold of. And but it was just a PC motherboard. I think it had like a, uh, uh, I, I had like a, C, a, a CGA or EGA or some video. They had a, just a computer monitor. Is my point. Yeah. It was nothing special, but it was you're talking five hundred bucks additional cost. Right. And <clears throat> pinball's already expensive to manufacture. Yeah. So they're like, listen, we've we've got to develop this to where we can get the, the people to buy it, and then people. After that initial cost, we can save them some money because we'll make it. We'll be able to integrate new tables. And so, what they developed was a really awesome system where you could literally oh, pull the glass off, reach in, and pull the entire guts of the machine out, yeah. unconnect like three things, and then pull it out. And trust me, when you work on pinball machines, that is <laughs> that's a miracle. Man, bring that stuff, gimme. Yeah. And on, and so they wanted something they could just much like Jamma, the ja- the arcade interface ability to where you could just put in multiple boards. They wouldn't be able to put multiple tables in the machine so they worked real hard on getting that smooth and doing stuff that operators liked <clears throat> secondly since they had a they had to do so much in 18 months they decided to go back and do a instead of coming up with a whole new concept for a table or trying to secure a license they wanted to do something already that they were familiar with and so they went back and looked at some of their properties that had been popular one of the big games for williams had been uh uh the uh attack mars game mars. attack from mars <clears throat> excuse me and Attack from Mars was a big was a big uh, produce uh, production run game, very popular. It's still very popular. Yes. In fact, it's way more popular than Revenge from Mars. Yes. Uh, and it was an alien invasion game. <clears throat> it was not based on the film, but no. it was it was similar, uh, except better. And so they thought, well, let's use this. We'll, we'll use because we know what we need. We know what we're going to be working with. <clears throat> and yeah. so they they. They put this together, and it was Revenge for Mars, which I'll get into later, because that's the game I picked this week. So <coughs> they get it all put together, and they go to their, their investors, and they, or they go to the people that buy their pinball machines. And the pinball machine, they show them off. They, put, they do a lot of 
publicity for it, and it gets over. Uh, in an era where, they, where machines weren't getting big runs, they ended up selling right around 7,000 units, which is at that's the time. tremendous. Well, it's not tremendous. It's, that's it's pretty good. That's a lot. It's for, pretty, this, for, for a high-dollar machine, that's a lot. It's pretty good, and the reception's pretty good. And I remember when we first saw these things, when you saw these in an arcade, it was really an anomaly because, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a shorter play field than a proper pinball machine. About plus, three quarters. Plus, it's got no back glass. Per se. It's got no backboard, back box. It's uh, got. It's just got that. I mean, it's nothing like you can't let, watch a score right. roll upward. So, you sort of have to stand behind the guy playing it to get the full effect. You know. Yeah. So, I always wondered how much that hurt it. Uh, you know. But of course, Battlezone was a huge success. You couldn't see nothing when people were playing that. So, <clears throat> Pinball 2000. They were very enthusiastic, and for the first time in years, Williams made a profit in pinball. And these guys were like, bam, we're in. <clears throat> so they knew they needed a good follow-up to this to to, uh, to to keep the ball rolling. Right Now, the the game they ended up choosing was the game they chose to be the very first Pin 2000 machine, but the timing was off. And what they ended up with was they secured an expensive licensing yes. deal to make a pinball for Star Wars The Phantom Menace, uh, which was a ridiculously huge deal because yes. that was a that was the big deal at the time <clears throat> people have been clamoring for star wars for a long time now when they designed star wars uh star wars had not came out phantom miss is not out and so they had to literally sequester the team they couldn't talk to anybody they couldn't interact with any other engineers could do nothing well and and this is this is a speculation this has been talked about by the actual people that made it it hurt the product because at Williams, you would have all these guys, and the games were vetted severely yeah. amongst the top players and designers on earth that have ever walked. And this game didn't get that kind of scrutiny. <clears throat> uh, and so when this thing released, uh, and it released not too long after, it was the second game it released that year, <clears throat> um, it, was, it, it coincided with, with the film. Well, the film, tell them how it did. <laughs> here's, a, here's what you have to remember. Uh the lead up to Star Wars Episode One was tremendous. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, when the when the film was not as popular as they had believed it to be, uh, it really hurt things trying to trying to pull from that source. Yeah. But instead of having something they that they thought would be in theaters for like years, I mean, they thought this was going to be. The the absolute not biggest years, movie. but a long time. Right, they, they thought this was going to be the the absolute biggest movie that existed. Uh, when the reception was was mixed at best, it really hurt things trying to pull from the Star Wars name. Yeah. So this this game ended up releasing in June of '99. So get this, you know who designed this game? The guy, designer was John Papaduik. And I thought, who is this guy? What's he done? Well, he's done a bunch of zizzles. If you remember, that's like a consumer home pinball machine that was popular. Ooh. He did World Cup hot soccer. Then he, did, then he did a couple uh, machines that I think are awesome. Theater of Magic, Tales of the Arabian Nights. So wow. they, they didn't put Hack Joe. No, that's This big, is a stud. And he was also name. one of the guys that helped work on Pinball 2000. <clears throat> now, when Star Wars Episode One came out in the arcade, I remember distinctly. I thought it looked like crap. Yeah, it, did. Uh, it had a big lightsaber stuck to the side, but the playfield looked so small to me and so tiny. <clears throat> Something else that Pinball 2000 had problems with was 
its position in the arcade was important. You had to get it somewhere where there wasn't a lot of light shining in there. I even know the thing the thing shadowed the proper area. If, the, if a directional light shine on it, you're boned. Yeah. Arcade operators didn't know what to make of it. And often when it would break down and never get fixed. The, uh, I've seen many where the top, the actual monitor wasn't working. Yeah. And without the what you've got without the monitor is a very lame pinball machine. Very bad, very poorly designed. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, well, I pinball. mean, you it's, I mean, it, effectively, it, it becomes, it's unplayable. It becomes a very poorly designed pinball machine. Right, and yeah. without the video elements, you can't understand what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I will say, I thought the Revenge of Mars was a better machine. It was. But they both had the same problem with uh, technical problems, and, uh, and sometimes the stuff wouldn't be lined up right. It yeah. was a hassle, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because since the actual play field of a Pinball 2000 was dark, uh, you relied on the positioning of the video elements to line up your shots. Yeah. So if the monitor was askew, uh, you would literally be shooting off target all the time. And it just took a little bit. It, you know. A little bit, well, a little bit at the top meant a lot at the bottom. Yeah. So it made, it, uh, those things had to be really nicely calibrated. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, on top of the fact, so the, the film has a huge opening and then flops over. You got the whole Jar Jar Binks thing. I mean, some people like it. I, I thought it was garbage. I thought it was hot garbage. I didn't like it a bit. <clears throat> so, the film doesn't do well. Well, on top of that, when the when uh, Williams Corporate released this, like, listen, we're going to make some money on this sucker. Instead of lowering the cost for all these people that bought the first, we're going to raise the cost. Yeah, cost goes up. Okay. Well, guess what? Cost goes up. Movie flop. Pinball machine not that great. You sell half as many units. Yeah. So they only sold. Uh, they only sold like uh, it was less than four thousand units. Three thousand five hundred twenty-five, and they cut the production run short. Because it wasn't, they weren't selling. They were just stacking up in a warehouse. Yep. So they were planning their third game. All right, and they looked at a couple. One of them was a game called Wizard Blocks. There were a few others that were in the pipeline, including a Playboy game, which I would have liked because uh, the Playboy Stern, I think they did it, was, was tremendous. The was newer really one, good. I thought, it was really good. Not just because of the hot chicks. I just thought it was a fun game. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> and it's seeing hot chicks. It's good provocation to do better with your shots, I found. <laughs> but um, anyway, all this stuff, they were they had nothing really ready to go for the third machine. These machines caught, took double the people to make. They were more expensive because you went into the realm of video production. You went into the realm of 3D rendering, yep. stuff that Pinball had never done. And so they really were, it was a stretch. And you had a lot of people that had never done that sort of work. Even if you look at the video for for. Uh, Revenge for Mars, and I'll get into this in a moment. You've got guys doing 3D rendering stuff that never done it, and so it wasn't the best. No, it was not it, it, the best. You know, it's like the acting in the American laser games. Like it's certainly not the best because I mean, these guys aren't real actors. <laughs> you know, they're just goofs. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, but that much said, these pinball of 2000 still had a lot of potential, and it, they make they were doing okay. They were doing okay. Well, okay wasn't good enough for Big Daddy, WMS Williams, and unfortunately... Because the problem was, Pinball 2000 was doing okay, slot machines were blowing it out of the water. And, and the, I mean, it was they were making money 
as fast. They were cranking out slot machines as fast as they could, and they still couldn't keep up with demand. The big difference is uh, slot machines, you get a, a couple of guys to design them, and there's not any real right, ch- with the exception of the graphics, there's not a whole lot of you, difference. You, you, you can crank one, them out. And then you can, yeah, just modify <clears throat> the code to make your next one. So, yeah. um, Williams decided to effectively jettison their entire pinball division. Yep. This was, uh, at the time, this Huge was known deal. as basically the death of pinball. Yep. By the year 2000, I mean, uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, June of 99, last machine released from Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. They were done. And it was a long time with, with one pinball company who was Stern. who struggled for a long time. Yeah. And, and you know what? <sighs> Thank goodness Stern kept cranking them out because literally pinball could be completely dead. And it's 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 nowhere like where it used to be. But now you have new companies coming on board. Yeah. It's starting. To it's have actually a we're having rebirth. a second renaissance. Yeah. We're in the middle of it actually, thanks to uh, starting. I'll admit, a lot of Stern's newer machines. I haven't been. They don't feel as quality. There's, but I mean, they they make them to a specs that are yes. lower quality. Stern is, and they're all licensed, almost always. Yeah, Stern uh, is in a cycle where they know how much they can make from their pinball machine division. They know how much they're allowed to spend, and they they. They market it. Yeah. Uh, you don't have... No one takes risks at Stern anymore. Yeah. You buy a license. You put together a pin. I'm not saying their pins are bad. Some of their pins, even their new pins, are really good. But you, you get a license. You make the pinball machine. You sell the pinball machine. You go into the next one. There's no. There's not the heart that was really in it in some of the the mid-90s. Now, a lot of the designers from Williams ended up going to Stern. Yeah. They were the only they game in town. Yeah. Eventually, Jersey Jacks came into the picture with his with with their Wizard of Oz uh, pen, and they've released a couple. I think at least one or two more. So pinball's back, but this was the late '90s. Uh, to end this segment was a very bleak, uh, desolate time for pinball because it was scary. we, you know, it was almost over. Yeah. And Stern and Gary, I'll give Gary Stern a lot of credit. Like you mentioned, he he has a passion for pinball. It's a family tradition up there, yes. Chicago, and he kept he kept the ball rolling. Yep. So, anyway, out of this sort of murky, depressing area of pinball, we had to come up with a couple uh, of machines to talk about. And so I'll go ahead and start the show since we're on the topic of Pinball 2000. The, the machine I picked uh, was, in fact, Revenge from Mars. Yes. Uh, Revenge from Mars uh, was released in January of 1999, so very late 90s. Yes. Uh, and it was on the pinball system. It was designed, as I mentioned earlier, by a fellow named George Gomez. Uh, <clears throat> Gomez has made. We were just talking about guys that made newer machines. Gomez, uh, uh, who's sort of a very legendary uh, pinball designer, he's been responsible for uh, Monster Bash, very popular machine. Very Johnny popular Mnemonic, machine. which yep. is a, a machine that went well past its god awful license. Yes, that's an abomination on on William Gibson's novels. I hated that. Uh, uh, I hated that movie. Uh, he did NBA Fast Break, which, hey, I'm no basketball it's fan, but that's awesome, a great machine. Awesome machine. <clears throat> then he did some of the newer titles, uh, Avengers, uh, Sopranos, uh, the Batman, uh, 60s Batman revival, you know, yep. Lord of the Rings, which I know a lot of people love. I've played it. I think it's okay. And the Transformers machine. <clears throat> so they, they gave this guy the big licenses. They said, go to work, son. Um, track record. That's why. <clears throat> the... Uh, Pinball 2000, as we mentioned, was an was an uh, this like sad attempt to try to rescue pinball. So we know what Pinball 2000 was as a concept, but what was the game like? Yeah. So um, Attack from Mars had been, like I said, as we mentioned in the early 90s, had been a very popular 
pinball machine for uh, Williams. And so they wanted to go with something that was tried and true and known. And they went with Revenge for Mars. Because if you think about it, that's a very loose concept uh, uh, machine. This might be one of the last high-profile non uh, non-licensed machines that there ever was, if you think about it. Because <clears throat> I don't, I don't think that, Stern... Okay, name another one. Uh, that was from uh, that era. <laughs> oh, from that era. I mean, I'm, okay. just saying, I'm not okay. saying of all time. I'm just saying okay. it was the, one of the last ones that wasn't licensed, you know. Uh, so, if you picture aliens from Mars coming to kill uh, Earth and come down here and screw with us, that's what they were. And these were the kind of wacky aliens yeah, from, the, from the film that would come down, the, you know, and they were, they were their antics. In the, in the first game, their, their gimmick was they went around trying to destroy all the cities in the United States. And they had, on the old uh, orange dot matrix display up there, they would have, they would show the aliens try to tip over the Eiffel Tower and, and they would be trying to steal women you know, and doing all this crazy stuff. <clears throat> and so this was the concept that was behind Revenge for Mars. Uh, in this game, they, they're back. <laughs> they're, back to, they're back to raise hell. So uh, the, the, the play field on, on Revenge for Mars is sort of similar to Attack from Mars in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, got the, it's got UFOs right around the flippers area. Uh, and then, of course, unlike the original Attack from Mars, Revenge from Mars has more open field at the top, and this is where your video aspects come in. So you're not you're not going to have the uh, some of the ramps and, and uh, lanes and stuff that you would have seen. I mean, it still has some of that stuff, but it's they leave well, some of that open for the, for the video. Almost, there's almost no ramp action. It's almost all orbitals. Uh, the difference is a ramp, you actually go up an elevated plane, and, and then the ball travels through a, a, a set of either wire mesh or uh, sometimes plastic, yeah. and it, it redirects your ball. Or an orbital goes basically outside the perimeter of the machine. It's still on the play field, of course, but uh, and usually those type of things send the ball coming back to you a lot faster. Yeah. Now, one thing that ha- started happening, Roy, I think this is mostly a 90s thing, was sort of like mission-based pinball. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the rule sets had became uh, uh, very... Uh, they they had uh, they had kind of went into a, a nice notch in pinball, and everyone sort of done this, where they, where you would you would start a mode, you would complete a mode, and if you completed enough modes, you'd start a bigger mode, and at the end, you would get like a, a, a main mode, where you a really... wizard mode. Right. And, uh, and so that they didn't change that in this. The difference in this was you had... Uh, you had video taking care of the stuff on the DMD. And it was mentioned that one of the limitations of the original Attack from Mars is they had to do everything on the DMD. And it's hard to render things accurately on, on the DMD that, you know, to make it real visually stunning. You know? So this game take, makes up for that. The aliens, they float down. They're 3D rendered aliens of the time, mind you. And they, they kind of walk like this. And they shamble in. And in the original machine, they had little rubber toys that went like this. Yeah, Remember they, those? They would bounce, yeah. <clears throat> and so this had actual aliens that would come down. And a lot of the modes are uh, shooting aliens that are just on the middle of the play field. You're also shooting uh, ships. Sometimes you have to do stuff, and the video will show you the results of what you do. There's a, there's a mode uh, where you fight. They, they make America or the United States, the world, they come up with a giant robotic Abe Lincoln. Yeah. And he's fighting this giant robe, uh, giant alien. Yeah. And if you do the mode right, he goes like, Boy! he gets a big uppercut and it bl- no, knocks the alien straight up in the air and through a UFO and they yeah. explode. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's a you good know? sequence. Um, 
There are uh, there's sequences. There's all kinds of crazy sequences where there's they take everything you can do with an alien and they do it. There's an alien autopsy it, sequence. There's it's a, very a, very slapstick. Oh yeah, it's, it's all, all slapstick. <clears throat> there's a great mode. Probably my favorite mode in the machine is a bit where the aliens are trying to straighten the Leaning Tower of Pisa, yes. and you're trying to be. <laughs> You're trying to stop him for a second. Trying to knock the crap out of these aliens. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Excuse me. The uh, there's a there's a in the first game there there was a uh, like a big laser weapon you were building. It comes back, and you have to you have to do that. You have to do that. Uh, There's also Martian bowling. It's exactly yeah. what you think it is. Yeah. Uh, there's a as a tank a section where you've got to move, hit this moving tank. It's pretty cool. So a lot of stuff is target based with the video overlay. Now, <clears throat> Pinball 2000. Aside from the fact that you could overlay the aliens or, and the spaceships on the on the glass, they would actually. I mean, you got to think there was no back glass. There's no scoring reel, really. So what they would do is they would show you that information. Like it would tell you what modes. To, to go into on the screen. It would actually show you, which was pretty cool. Uh, but uh, if you had a ball in play, when these big things would happen, it, you blo- it blocks, effectively blocks your vision. And that happens yeah. sometimes. That was one of the downfalls of, of Pinball 2000 is when they, <clears throat> the guys rightly noticed that when you have a separate screen and the pinball machine, your eyes can't watch both. And so Pinball 2000 was, supposed to integrate this and it's it's good and bad but the bad part of it is when you integrate it uh so completely that you can't see the field you got a problem and that would and when that happened you would often lose the ball and it was real cheap and what made it worse is uh, pinball 2000 to play it was more expensive it was just yeah. like the dragon's layer of its day when it was. It you you're in for a buck you know i mean or, or at least you know it was the days of 50 cents were over you're yeah. paying this is a dollar machine, you know. So it was more pricey. These guys wanted to get their money back. Something else that they did, and and um, this is Pinball 2000 stuff, but it happened first in this game. This is this game saw the uh, uh, effectively the default removal of a free game system. Yes. Um, in 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 this game, by default. Now I'll say this because you could still turn this on, but by default, you could not earn a free game. Uh, you could not match for a free game, but what you could do is get an extra ball. And so you could get extra balls in the game, but you could not get a free play. People don't like that. Now, this was not the first game to pull that trick. They'd actually pulled it in a few games before this, turning off the default. And this was, of course, to uh, limit the amount of free play on the game. They wanted people to pay for every game, and this was no exception. They wanted you to pay for, for every game. So a lot of... A lot of uh, uh, Arcade owners went ahead and turned it back on. I'm sure they, you know, because they get complaints. Yeah, a lot of yeah, <clears throat> uh, complaints about the game. Uh, all reports were the game. Like I said, it was not uh, in the realm of sturdiness of a game. This fell somewhere between, uh, uh, say, like a, a classic Williams machine, you know, uh, uh, like Firepower, let's say, and uh, Dragon's Lair, which is uh, was notorious for going down or a pole position. Like, this was somewhere in the middle. This one had its problems, and like I said, they were almost always screen-related. What would happen often is that the, the motherboard, which, again, this is just a stock consumer PC motherboard, would just have problems. I mean, if you had a PC back in those days, RAM slipped out. Yeah. Things overheated. The fan went bad. And when you know, you're smacking <clears throat> around on a machine, all that's more likely to happen. Yeah, and, when you're, and your operators would... would these are guys who knew how to fix pinball machines and video games, but they didn't know jack squat about fixing computers. Yeah. Then you've got a whole different gimmick here. So despite the initial sales of, of uh, Revenge from Mars, uh, 
it and again we these games are modular i don't know that a whole lot of swapping was done no i don't now, think anyone when they were designing uh revenge from mars they there was a lot of speculation and and talk about what to do about the side art uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the guys at Williams wanted to put generic art on the side, so you could swap out that board, and it w- and and no, it wouldn't matter what the side art was. But uh, they wanted a, t- a Revenge of Mars to be such a smash that they went ahead and put a full art ensemble on it. So there's art along the top of the sh- of the sh- of the uh, shielded area, and then there's art down the down the sides. Um, and it looks good. I yeah. thought the art was a good. It's a good art package, and Revenge of Mars. Just the title of it and the weirdness of the look of the machine, it actually sort of works in the favor of it the really you know, did. Because it's so weird and, you know, it's such a goofy game that you're like, man, look at this weird contraption. Now, again, we mentioned that the play field and these things were cut short. I always thought that, uh, and it, what, you wouldn't think cutting an inch or two off would make much oh, of a difference, but it makes a, a huge difference. <laughs> it, wasn't that, it wasn't that different, really. It was the a measurement machine. No, it, was not, it wasn't even that much, it was, but it was a difference. When you first played these, I'm sure, I know you played Revenge from our back in the day. Yeah. What did you think about the limited table size? That, because we come from an era, like, if you look behind me here, we've got Royal Rumble right here. <clears throat> this, is a, this is a wide body machine. The big dogs, right? Yeah. Sega was pumping these suckers out, among others. And they were very popular, and we love it because you got all that space, you got all these long shots. So to go from a, and this machine predates, I think this thing was '94. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like these things had gone away. So when you take something, you're literally taking a table that's not quite; it's a little more than half the size. But I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big difference. Yeah. And when you're used to playing on these big machines, the little ones are a little bit wacky. What did you think of well, playing Revenge from Mars? I remember the first time I saw a, a Pinball <clears throat> 2000 machine, which was Revenge from Mars. And it was in a movie theater. Yep. Um, so I went up. And I, I happily paid my dollar, even though I did not have many dollars at the time to happily pay. Yep. I know that and, feeling. And I was like, "All right, let's see what this thing can do." Because the, the on the uh, uh, attraction screens, you kind of get a feel what's going on, and it gets you excited. They, the The attraction screens on these are really good. Yeah. Uh, so you put your money in, and I remember I plunged my ball. And I was playing, and every shot felt off. And I would uh, uh, try to adjust, and, but the my game lasted like three minutes. It was brutally hard to adjust to this pinball machine. I thought, well, is it the screen? Uh, it, it, you know, the the way the Pinball 2000 is implemented. Am I just really bad? So I gave it another go. I distinctly remember this. I gave it another go, and it had a shorter game. My second time than my first time, and I was done. I walked away. I, I and I eventually came back, but I remember that first two games left us such a poor impression on me on the playability of Pinball Two Thousand or Revenge of Mars in particular that it took me quite a while uh, to come back to it. I mean, it was months. <clears throat> And I, I came back to it, and I tried it again. I did a little bit better after I learned a little bit. Um, but I think the the, the shorter play table... Uh, it makes it, a, it sort of faster. It makes it orbitals just death. Yeah. They come screaming back so fast because it doesn't feel like they adjusted the power of the flippers at all. <clears throat> so you're flipping up the field just as fast as you would on a normal machine, but you're losing half the distance, or, you know... 
the distance up and back when something comes around an orbital, and these things were made to, to shoot orbitals. You shot tons of them. I think, I think the uh, the down one of the downfalls in terms of playability, because <clears throat> I'll say uh, these games were not embraced. Revenge from Mars was released, and again, keep in mind, Attack from Mars super popular. So you had something that was real yes. popular amongst pinball people. Um, Although they had their complaints about it as well, a lot of pinball people did not like video modes on the on the DMDs, and so what you've done is exponentially make these a much bigger deal on Pinball 2000, and a lot of pinball purists didn't like them, still don't like them, and they told they told Wins we don't like these. You've you've bastardized pinball in a way that we don't like it. You made it a video game, and some liked it, but a lot didn't. A lot of purists now. At the time, I was just a guy who played pinball. I didn't consider myself a, a yeah. you know I never thought I'd own one, and so. Uh, uh, when I got to play this, this for the first time, uh, I, I, it really is. I, it can't be. Uh, it can't be uh, harped on enough how much like playing a Laserdisc game for the first time this was because it had really two things in common. It was completely new gameplay yeah. you never seen before, and it was expensive. And so it was expensive to get in there and get good at it. It's. Yeah. I mean, and so when late when Dragon's Lair came out. It was such a novel concept that people laid down their dollars and their fifty cents left and right. There were lines. Well, how did how did Dragon Slayer two do? How did Space Ace yeah. do? They did. Hold, they, none of them did very well. They didn't touch the original. Right, and it, well, it's, I mean, and the thing is that like Space Ace is just as artistic, just as beautiful, more advanced, but. Uh, people had already sickened of it. They had they had they the, the novelty had worn off. Right. Pinball two thousand, I think, was very similar, except for the fact that novelty ran off quicker. Uh, because it was not as radical a departure from uh, from uh, late, you know, as laziness games were to, to arcade games. So what you got was you got an, an unusual uh, alien feeling uh, experience that was expensive. It was hard for people to watch you play, and it was also hard to get the uh, illusion of the uh, video on the on the pinball playfield if you weren't playing. Yeah. Like I said, if you stood behind the guy, you could see it. Otherwise, the the top of the playfield where the video was was covered, and you couldn't see it. So, a lot of pinball games and a lot of video games, people are hovering around to see it. There was no way to rig up a video screen to have it work. It just right. it didn't look right. Yeah. I think that was part of it. So it didn't have a lot of word of mouth. And again, we go back to the fact that these things were often misaligned, broken, or at a spot where the light wasn't great. And without that illusion, you've got a cut-rate pinball. Yep. I mean, that's face facts. And uh, I think the ultimate downfall of, uh, uh, of Pinball 2000 began with Revenge from Mars. Not that it's not a good game, but that the concept has enough flaws. I think what I would have done if I was them was I would have released this game and not raise the price that much, maybe not at all. Well, because they, they you've got to, well, you've got to get people used to the fact that this is a new concept. But that's an operator choice. Well, no, well, I mean, yeah, but they they recommended that. Plus, turning off the free game, you're getting chintzy. Now, I, I watched. There's a very famous uh, documentary called "Tilt: The Battle to Save Pinball." <laughs> well, uh, uh, they talk about you know these were more expensive machines, and these were uh, these games uh, were a premium game. But you have no chance if you don't get people invested in the new technology, and I think that's where this failed. I mean, Revenge from Mars had all the all, all the earmarks that a, a good pinball machine had. It's got tons of different modes and stuff, and tons of multi-ball as well. But in the end, it was just too alien. I, I think I think Pinball 2000 was probably screwed, even if Star Wars hadn't came out. You're opinion. probably right. You're probably right. So. Um, 
It's I looked this up on Internet Pinball Database. That's the number one ipso facto place to go for that sort of thing. Then the rating is an eight out of ten, which is pretty high. Yeah, uh, I think uh, that's inflated. Just for the, just for record keeping, Star Wars Episode One has a seven point five out of ten. Yeah. I think. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I think both those are probably too high. I think they're inflated. Uh, because it, unfortunately, what you'll have is uh, people who sell their machines will go on and start rate, rating their pinball machines higher. Yeah. Uh, to get them ready to sell. Um, I uh, I will tell you there is no way for a home user right now to play Revenge from Mars. There is no emulated version. There's no. Uh, it's not featured on any of the uh, packages. Now, I've heard talk that it's possible it would be included in some of the new uh, pinball packages from uh, um, what's the name? The, the guys that are doing all the pinballs now, the, all the William stuff. But uh, right now, it's, it's not playable. So, really, the only way you're going to find this is to know someone that's got one or see one on location. If you wanted to buy one, that's one way you could do it. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, these are actually pretty reasonable, I thought. Uh, a, uh, a working Revenge from Mars will set you back Thirty five hundred bucks plus shipping. Shipping on something like this, you're talking if they crate it up, you're talking wow. about six hundred bucks. That's crazy cheap. Yeah, and now Star Wars is selling for forty one hundred bucks, which just goes to show you that quality and, and price are well, certainly you're buying the name. Yeah, right. If it's for collectors and stuff, yeah. but really both those, if in the realm of pinball these days, that's a that's a steal. That's a steal. So, Unfortunately, you will, you know, if you do have mechanical failures, you are in, you're in deep do. Yeah, correct. And, and, and well, I mean, they've got there's a thing called uh, uh, new tech or not not new tech new new something. It's a it's a replacement for all the computer and stuff in it. So there is an alternative now. I think those guys are still around. That was a pretty big deal when it came out because a lot of these th- units were failing. Yeah. And if you get a good solid system, these will last you a while. They they are well made machines and they were and they're easy to work on. Sure. So, but yeah, Revenge of Mars. It's a pretty good pinball machine. I wouldn't put it in my pantheon of the great machines of all times, but the concept, very sound. So let's move away from the realm of Pinball 2000 to a more traditional pinball table, which is what you chose this week. Brent, I think you chose a good one, considering we have it sitting over here. What do you, what do you got for us? I chose Who Done It? A Who Done Murder it? Mystery. Uh, this is my all-time favorite pinball machine. Really? Overstar yes. Trek? This is, yes. Mm-hmm. This is my all-time favorite pinball machine. I first played this in a truck stop. <laughs> and I, I uh, returned to that truck stop many, many times just to play pinball. Because uh, that's, that's, I guess that's how I roll. Was this the same truck stop that had Mortal Kombat 2? It was. Okay. It was. We, we shouldn't have been at that truck stop, but we were there. Yes. Um... Uh, Who Done It is a L.A. Noir themed murder mystery that is you either love it because of its incredible uh, charm and allure, or you hate it because it's stop and go pinball. There's almost no in between with this game. So this machine was released uh, at the end of '95, just and, just into the wire there. Yeah. And the concept was by Dwight Sullivan. Uh, it is one of those machines that, really, looking at it uh, among a sea of pinball machines, you're going to notice one thing, and that is in the middle of the play field is a slot machine. It, 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 a three-reel R-E-E-L 
slot machine. It's funny. We were just talking about pinball machine uh, people making slot machines, and lo and behold, <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. And this was a Bally Williams machine. Yeah. So uh, this and the this feature on the machine is a fully functional slot machine that that spins. It has its the random elements, a whole nine yards. Uh, it very very incredible. I mean, machines. A lot of machines have toys. Um, this toy in particular was very impressive at the time. Very impressive. Uh, it also features in the middle of the play field a 180 degree ramp, which means you shoot the ball up the ramp and it actually flips over and the ball comes back to you on a ramp system. Uh, it's the main feature of the game that lets you move around this hotel try, or move around the casino trying to find uh, clues. And you get off of different floors. It's a big uh, part of the game. What makes this really, really unique, though, is there is a actual story with an actual timeline about the game. Uh, a lot of people never saw this because it was only released in the manual of the game. But the the game has a, a story. It involves all the characters. All the characters have nicknames that you don't know unless you read the story, and it, the, <laughs> the timeline is covers like uh, like forty years. It's from the birth of one of the characters all the way up until the murders start taking. Wonder place. why they would write that in the manual and it's not in the actual game. That's bizarre. Uh, it, it, well, I mean, it's because it's huge. It's like six pages. <laughs> That's and, crazy. And, uh, uh, it's something if you ever go and download the manual to Who Done It. And flip through it. It's it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's dark. You had people dying during childbirth and 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 uh, uh, double crosses. And it, it it tells you how all the characters in these in this game is intertwined. That makes me think this is like a labor of love sort of it thing. One hundred percent was. It really was. And if you go in knowing the story and knowing how the characters. Uh, are related to each other because you play as the detective trying to solve these these mysteries. Uh, it actually helps as the game progresses. You get clues, and I mean, some of these are vague clues that uh, uh, you know who left this behind, and it might be like a, a comb or a mirror or something. And if you know the backstory in the manual, you actually have more insight onto who would have owned that and be more apt to pick the correct killer. Hmm. And uh, and you do. You actually pick who is the killer in this game. So you go through five cases, and effectively, after that, the game restarts and you do it all again. The unfortunate part of Whodunit is there's no wizard mode. There's no final thing to bring it all together. There are tons of different modes, tons of different multi-balls. Uh, you can actually gamble your points which is one of the most ingenious features ever, you bet on a roulette, either black or red, and you gamble half your points. It's a choice. So you can get you know huge scores, or you can get crappy score, you know, lose half your points. This, is a, this, this particular uh, item in the game is very controversial amongst tournament players and whatnot. This game, well, you, you can turn that off, I believe. Yes. If you, you'll, first of all, you'll never see this in a tournament. You almost never see this in a tournament setting uh, because it is pretty easy to cheese the game 
to where you can just shoot a low value score forever. Yeah, and and also it's so it's it, it's it's plotting. Yeah, as a it's pinball a, machine, so you, there's a lot, they want to get this tournament. They want to have fast stuff. In right. There, yeah. Right. A, a, a normal game of Who Done It can last you 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the there is a tournament setting though that takes all the randomness out of it. It all goes down to a set. Uh, you know, this happens when you shoot it the first time. This happens when you shoot it the second time, uh, including the gambling element. It either it starts on red and then goes red, black, red, black. Um, but Who Done It tells a story, and it does it remarkably well. You can when you see these people acting out on the uh, on the uh, DMD and their speech and their talk, they got really good voice actors. Yeah, this is probably the best of all time. I yeah. mean, in terms of, I mean, this is the best non-licensed acting I've ever heard. And, and you know, uh, one of the voices in this, the guy who plays the butler is Ed Boone from Mortal Kombat, the, oh, one really? of the Mortal Kombat <laughs> That's crazy. No, I didn't know that. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, which shows you again how Williams really they everybody worked on a project when they did something. Yeah. Um, because Midway was under their umbrella there as well. After yeah. a while. Uh, so, why is this my favorite pinball machine? It is exactly why I said it tells a story. You can play this game, and you get a random mystery, murder mystery to start every time, and you can't just say. Uh, I'm going to choose who the mister the the killer is. Oh, you can, but you're gonna, it's a one in four shot. Right. You can actually go through and get clues. The uh, L.A. Noir theme fits so perfectly. The music is phenomenal. The, be- it's the best, the best oh, pinball my music. Goodness. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, it has this jazzy, soft jazzy type tune. It plays uh, Peter Gunn's uh, song. If you watch old like. Uh, Mike Hammers or or uh, old uh, old uh, detective shows from back in the day, or listen to old detective radio shows. It's just, this sounds you could have pulled this right out of a radio show, like suspense or something. Could have been and, this would have been it. And the main character, just like in an L.A. noir film, narrates as he goes. Yeah, and he is so perfect. He's great. He's tremendous. You get this is a pinball machine. I mean, is this pinball machine for everybody? No, because some people want to have. The excitement of the pinball machine, the big scores, the fast action, and I totally get that. I'm, I'm, I'm that way, too. What Whodunit does is it pulls you in. It pulls all that in, and you focus on the machine, and you focus on the story, uh, and you you worry less about the shots. You only you get the shots because you want to see what happens next. Or gather clues or whatnot. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, they do a good job. It is the only pinball machine... With the exception of maybe uh, uh, Arabian Nights, Tales of the Arabian Nights, that has a sort a similar feel that pulls you into the machine and makes you want to play it to see what happens next, which is very very rare in a pinball machine. I think Tales is a better overall playing pinball machine, but I think this as a package, you're going to be hard pressed. I mean, Who Done It stands as a unique machine of the likes of a Pinball 2000. I mean, it's that unique as a Pinball machine, it's uh, highly collectible because of that, and uh, the uh, the the atmosphere it creates. And plus, as you play it, you are gathering clues. There's a, at the end of the mysteries, you're chasing the bad guy. And you have to hit yes. certain shots. There's a phone in it. You have to hit when it phone rings. You got to hit the hit the phone with the ball to answer the phone. So yep. You can hear to get the clue. 
You know, sometimes you have to take a cab. You have to drop, hit your ball up into the cab area. Yep. Sometimes you have to take the train. You have to hit your ball up in the train area. It, it's very cleverly done. It's like watching an old, uh, old episode of a TV show. And, and, I mean, you can see the flow of it. And since every, it's the only machine ever that every game starts with someone getting murdered yes. <laughs> on the DMD. You and, know, and, and there's multiple murder scenes. Yeah, there's so, a shower. There's like somebody gets shoved off a building. Shot. Shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they actually pulled in, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Tim Kizarro, uh, who is a professional voice actor, to do uh, the main character's voice. It worked. And you couldn't, you couldn't have a had a hack. Stunning, yeah. stunning job. If they just got one of the guys making the machines, that would have, that would have failed, a, a, died a death. It would have died a death. So this is a machine, I, I mean, the reason why we're, we're going on and on and on about the sound is it's that good. Yeah. It's the top it, of the heap. And the machine itself, really, and, and remember, this is my favorite machine of all time. The machine itself is pretty good, not great. Right. I mean, the actual shots and stuff. Right. They're, they're, they're the not, shots you take. The elevator in the middle with the 180 ramp is a gimmick. It stops. I mean, the, uh, Rumble has a very similar situation where you've got to put a, when you put a ramp in the middle of the play field... It stops a lot of your long shooting, your yes. target shooting, and this game has, I mean, it's so crowded with ramps and, and, yes. and stuff that it's it... It's a very full machine. Yeah. But the reason why this is my favorite machine is because it, it took a chance, and the the package is far greater than some of its parts. Yeah, I agree. Uh, something else I want to mention, and this is never talked about, uh, the Williams, this was off of the... Uh, C or I'm sorry, the WPC system. Okay, this was yeah. actually a WPC-S board. Okay, and a lot of uh, uh, pinball machines, if you don't know, uh, from the same manufacturers, they'll have one main CPU driver board that usually lasts the span of about uh, ten to fifteen pinball machines. Maybe not even that many. That yeah. that you know they'll do ROM changes on to change what the game does, but this is the main backbone of the machine. Sort of like CPS with the with a video game for yes. like Capcom. You exactly. have CPS 1, exactly. CPS 2, they build the same way. Yeah. So, a feature on this board, this was a time when uh, ticket games started to invade the arcades. And <laughs> Williams saw this was happening. And they actually put a feature onto their uh, WPC boards that allows ticket dispension through your pinball machine. Either when you get an extra ball, or when you uh, beat the high score, or if you make a certain shot in the game, the machine will actually dispense tickets. They've got to be super rare, because I know we'd have one if you could get hold of one. I have one. Oh, really? But I can't get it to work. I've, I have a ticket dispenser board that hooks to these machines. It's in that cabinet right really? now. Yes. Uh, if you look right beside the coin mechs is the ticket dispenser. I never even noticed it. Yeah. So how many how many pinball machines had this feature? All all of the WPC boards did. Really? So it's about it's available to about fifteen pinball machines. Yeah. I have looked far and wide with someone with the knowledge to explain to me how to properly hook up my board, and I've never found it. Uh, it is a lost and. There is no manual for this. Uh, there, it's it's mentioned in the actual manual. I know it works. It has things in the BIOS to set up to be ticket dispensing, 
but I have looked far and wide on forums, news groups, uh, chat rooms, uh, live streams. People know that this feature exists for these old pinball machines, but they don't know how to make it work. It is it is a lost it is a lost relic of something that was put in for an extra feature and then completely forgot about because pinball people don't want tickets. I wonder why, you know, it's a great idea because now you can't do anything in an arcade except play those god-awful ticket games. My only guess would be it would not be in vogue because of the size of the machine and the length of time it would take to get your tickets out. Some nope. of these games, you put no, a quarter no, 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 in for like two seconds, then you're done. You know? no. Well, I, I, yes, you're... You, you know get, what I mean? You don't put it in as a ticket game. You put it in as a game that gives tickets. It's not a bad idea. Uh, I know you love that crap. If anyone out there in, in listener land knows how to hook one of these things up, please, please comment, get a hold of me. I have everything I believe that is necessary. I just don't have... I don't have the knowledge of how to get to work. So that was my personal plea. Uh, there were 2,416 whodunits made. Very low. low, a, low pr- a pretty low run for the 90s. Right. Yeah. A low but not criminally low I can thing. see why, too, given that... I mean, you could, if this pinball machine was not... I'm surprised this made it to the market, just uh, given, given the way it works. It is a player's machine, uh, and you don't have to be great to have long games. Yeah. And for owner-operators, they don't want that. No. They want you to put your money in, fail, put your money in, fail. Yep. Um, a few things about this. Easter eggs. Pinball's got them. Yeah. And, and done is, is no exception. Uh, it has a few features that uh, are on a couple different games called Midnight Madness. If while you're playing, the internal clock hits midnight, the game shuts off. It freezes. You lose your ball, and the main character actually says, like, oh, no, it's, it's happening. And you enter a mode called Midnight Madness, which is a multi-ball that is just crazy. It's just shooting I'm going to try off. that. I've never oh, tried yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has it. Um, another thing, if you put in flipper, you put in your money, and before you shoot your ball, you can do different flipper combinations to give you different hidden Easter egg messages up on the DMD. Mm. Uh, something else. There is hidden in the back glass and uh, in an Easter egg through flipper combination of the letters D-O-H-O. Doho. This is a running gag theme Easter egg through many, 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 many for decades of pinball. And DOHO stands for Doris... Oh, I cannot remember. Doris Ho. The Dorothy Ho, which was one of the pinball guy's uh, girlfriend slash wife. And it became a running gag to put DOHO into a bunch of the games. (laughs) So it's one of the... It shows you... I mean, I love stuff like this because it shows you that these people... Well, first of all, it shows you they're people. Because they're out there, they're wanting to have fun while they're making this stuff. They're not just autom- uh, you know, uh, automatons putting it together because that's the way it has to be. They're out there having fun. And a lot of these Easter eggs are in there. It, they're just fun. And that's another one. Um, 
I know that I know that you were you like this game, but you don't love this game. What's your personal experience with it? Well, I, lo- I do actually. I love what it is. I mean, it's a beautiful game. When we picked it up, I know you were very happy, and uh, uh, it is a it is a tremendous game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's easy to start off with. Also, you, you didn't mention. I believe this thing has like the didn't it have the beginner mode? At the it beginning? does. Yeah, I, I was going to touch on that. When you very first start the game, you can choose either novice or expert. And if you choose novice, uh, you get a guaranteed three minutes of playtime. Yeah. And you can lose the ball a hundred times in that t- amount of time. And then once your three minutes are up, and I think that's actually adjustable. I think you can set how long. Um, then the next time you lose the ball, your game's over. It's great. That stuff's great when you have like kids coming. <laughs> Little over to play. kids that yeah. just want to shoot and hit the flippers. Yeah. But no, I mean the packs of this game. It's 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 uh, as I say, uh, it has it is more in, in the sum of its parts than the parts themselves. I would say it's yes. it's a tremendous uh, achievement, an artistic achievement in pinball. Uh, it's got, like I said, Brent mentioned it that people either love it or hate it. I, I, I love it. I've always liked it. I w- I've always been fond of it. I, I always thought it was a real fun game, and I, uh, it's one I go back to. You know, I, we've got two more modern machines. This one in Royal Rumble, and they came out roughly in the same year time. Like I said, Rumble was out the year before uh, Who Done It, uh, but they're dramatically different playing machines. They're they're really quite different, uh, and they're both fun in their own right. But I mean, in terms of an artistic Achievement. Who done it is far and away uh, at the top of the heap of pinball. Yes, uh, and, and just my final thoughts on this before we go into the pricing. Um, if you ever get a chance, you can play this through emulation, and it emulates okay. It, it, well, you know what? It emulates better than okay because of the type of game it is. It emulates fairly well. You could also get this if you had the uh, pinball arcade. They they released this on that, Correct. and it did. A pre- it was pretty good. It was, it was okay. pretty good. Um, it's not the same. I mean, it never is. However. There are the the moving elements of this game, the the actual moving slots under the play field, um, they really have to be witnessed. And the 180 ramp has a has a a very unique sound and feel when you go up and loop over on it. Yeah, it's real unusual. Uh, That's an unusual ramp. If you ever get a chance to play this, definitely put your money in. If you're ever in the area. Uh, of Amiga Studio East, we will it's let right you there. play it. We yeah. own this machine. We picked this machine up. We got a in, good deal on this uh, thing, didn't we? What it was about the year, what? Yeah, I can't. Two thousand four. It's funny because we went over to look at an, at a uh, Operation Wolf. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I bought this machine. When I bought it, it was in it was in pristine condition. It's still in really really good condition uh, for one thousand two hundred fifty dollars. The current going price, the absolute cheapest I saw it uh, for a machine that was uh, it kind of banged up was thirty eight hundred. Yeah, this and is a- the from the the totally shopped ready to go is a five gram machine. Yeah, this is a five. This has become a five thousand dollar machine. Both these machines have went up in price exponentially. Yeah. So it's which is crazy. Uh, so as we bid find the dude who done it. I know who's going to do it. Nope. It's going to be you oh. as we spin the wheel. No, dude. Oh, here it goes. Here we go. Now, tell the people, Mr. Brent, what you've added this week. This was a Brent. Brent added this. Well, actually, he asked my opinion. I told him what I liked. Uh, we added Laserdisc. That's right. So, if it comes up, we'll be choosing a Laserdisc game 
from any system or or genre uh, to review. All right, give her girl, give her a whirl, dude. You got a uh, preference? I, I'm, it's all good, man. You know what? I'm I'm hoping we get a little bit of fighting game action. I'm all ready right. for fights. Everything you ever hope for never happens. All right. All right. Thanks. I'll just thanks say, for that. Well, hey, listen. It's a harsh, it's a harsh bit of reality. Here we go. Come on, fight. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. Yeah. Boy, why did I talk? <laughs> Why did I say a word? Oh, that was glorious. It hung on there. So we're playing. So what are the rules of the next, fight? Okay. Next week, we will be reviewing a game that is a fighting game. The definition of a fighting game is it has to be a one-on-one, -on -one, two people fight until one person is left standing and the other is, is either knocked out or killed or whatever. So it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one fighting game next week from any era, from any year. Do you have any idea what you're going to pick? Oh, man. Nope. <laughs> well, there you go, then. I'm looking to see if we got any reviews in this week on any on any. These, these were tough to review uh, because unless you have the Pinball Arcade um, uh, and had bought it already, you, you couldn't play Brent's, and you couldn't play mine at all. So hopefully we'll get some more reviews in next week. We didn't get Jack Squat. This guy kind of figured we would. Well, for this for this one coming up, man, any fighting game, one it has to be a one-on-one -on -one fighting game. Okay, that sounds great. So with that in mind, uh, we thank you for tuning in to our uh, pinball of the late 90s. And uh, please join us next week as we will be back, same bat time, same bat channel, and we will try to do better the next time. That's so it. until then... Pinball!